everyone, and welcome back to the Educating All Learners Alliance podcast. Today, we are excited to bring you a new episode, and this is featuring a working group that we have developed through the Alliance with some of our partner organizations. So um, every quarter or so, we put together a new working group of voluntary organizations that create a resource. And so we're really excited to feature this group today who um, developed a resource on unique identities. And so it's a facilitation guide for educators to use in their classrooms. And I'll let them share a little bit more of exactly what's included. But on the episode today, I have joined me as Nicole Fuller from the National Center for Learning Disabilities, Christina Cipriano from the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, and Treya Ellis from Trajectory of Hope. So I will pass it over to each of them to share a little bit more about themselves. Um, and also, I'd love if they could share uh, what brought them to be a part of this working group. We'll start with Nicole. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm Nicole Fuller. I am a policy research associate from the National Center for Learning Disabilities, or NCLD for short. NCLD represents the one in five individuals with learning and attention issues and is proud to be a founding partner of the Educating All Learners Alliance. Um, a little bit more about myself personally, I'm a former middle school math teacher. Um, after we led our first all partner convening in May, which focused on intersectional identities for students with disabilities, we thought it was important to bring partners together with both expertise and passion for this topic to create a resource for educators to use in their daily work. What we developed um, here with these people that I have on the call and in these great minds in education um, is something that I would have loved to have in my classroom um, to remind students to celebrate their own and one another's unique identities. Um, so that's a little bit about myself. Um, and from there, I will pass it to Dr. Chris Cipriano. Thank you, Nicole. It's so great to be here with you all. So I'm Chris Cipriano. My pronouns are she, her. I'm an assistant professor at the Child Study Center in the School of Medicine, and I have the honor of directing the research at the Center for Emotional Intelligence at Yale, um, where we are creating a healthier and more equitable, innovative, and compassionate society through the use of emotion science and research. Um, and what brought me to this work is that a couple of years ago, um, I started a project looking at intersectional student identity representation in universal school-based SEL interventions. So really looking at who is being serviced by SEL and how. And along the way, uncovered a number of findings that um, I'm happy to talk more about later on the call, but have really been problematic and opened my eyes to um, needing to speak up more and help to allow for full recognition and representation of the role in which intersectionality plays um, in helping to advantage or disadvantage some learners early and often across their schooling. So I'll leave that there for now. It's an honor to be with you all and I will pass it over to Dr. Ellis. Greetings, everyone. It is a pleasure to be here. My name is Troya Ellis and I am the co-founder of Trajectory of Hope, um, which is a new startup organization. Uh, we've been in operation for about three years, three, four years now. I am the chief operating officer, also the co-founder. So one half of a, a dynamic whole, um, Brittany Foster is the other half to our organization. And we exist because we believe that black families and black students are in need of support, but we wanna do that by way of supporting our educators. We believe that educators unintentionally cause harm. And if we come into schools and support them with allowing them to develop their awareness 
in turn, the way in which they see students that are African-American, Black, or part of the African diaspora, the way they make decisions around the things that they see will change and the outcomes in turn will change. So our work is about how do we do the work of really diving deeply into the lived experiences that shape our thoughts, our thinking, our decision-making, and shift those so that outcomes and opportunities for Black and African-American families will change for the better from henceforth. Um, what brought myself and Brittany to ELA and this particular working group is that a big part of our work is self-awareness. It's SEL for adults. We are pretty much targeting how do you come to know yourself and as you come to know yourself, you're better equipped to support the students that you serve, whether African-American and beyond. Um, this tool is something that I, I'm looking forward to being able to dive deeply and sharing how it is that it can be such of use and benefit and extension to the work that we're doing with the teachers and educators that we're working with. And we are excited to be on this journey. It was a great learning experience to be in this working group. And I am happy to be here with you all today. Awesome. Thank you all so, so much. So we are definitely uh, excited when you three decided to participate and um, lead this group. And so just to clarify for all listeners, the exact name of the resource we're discussing is Our Unique Identities Facilitation Guide and Posters. Um, and you can find it within ELA's resource library on educatingalllearners.org. Um, and I thought it was really interesting, Dr. Ellis, that you mentioned the self-reflection that's needed because we recently did a webinar for ELA where we discussed, you know, sometimes it's about that uh, learning how to best serve students. But if you might not know, for example, something like developing positive relationships. If you yourself never had that as an adult, you might not know how to curate that with students. So I agree, it's really important for, for educators to have that reflection as well. So with that, I'd love if each of you, any of you could share into what is really included in the resource itself. I'm sure. So this is Nicole Fuller um, with NCLD. So I'm happy to go a little bit into the resource and we hope that um, many of you will check it out after listening to this podcast. Like we said, there are um, classroom posters. There's actually three classroom posters, each focused on an aspect of our identities. And then there's a facilitation guide. And this is something um, for educators to have to walk through um, these concepts with their students. Each poster explores a different aspect of identity. So there are intersectional, um, varied, and dynamic. So I'll kind of go through what each one has, and then we hope that this is something that um, you would be interested in printing out and hanging up in your classroom. So for the intersectional identity, we are really exploring the concept that many parts of someone's identity overlaps. So on the poster's design, students can see the many, but definitely not all parts of their identity and how, how they intersect. So for example, a student might see um, race intersecting with language, intersecting with disability, intersecting with relationship parts of their identity. Um, so for example, maybe a student is Afro-Latino, speaks both Spanish and English, has ADHD, and is an older sibling to four younger brothers and sisters. And we do hope that through the facilitation guide, students will see examples um, of these concepts to help them grapple with them. Um, that second dimension, identities are varied. This means that the different parts of someone's identity, they differ in both meaning and prominence. Take a student, Reggie, for example. Reggie has a learning disability. In some settings, 
like his football practice, this part of his identity doesn't feel very prominent, um, perhaps because he doesn't require accommodations for that setting, but it is more prominent um, when he's in math class and he receives accommodations and uses his self-advocacy skills. And so students in this aspect can explore ways in which that different parts of their identity are, you know, differing in meaning and the way that some parts may be more prominent. Um, and this changes over time, which gets to the last uh, poster, which is about identities being dynamic. So this means that they are changing over time and they can be born or chosen into, visible or invisible, stable or shifting. Um, on this poster, you'll see gears, which symbolize those changes over time and the varying powers of um, different forces and how they shape our identities. Helping students, especially younger students, understand these concepts can be challenging. The facilitation guide walks through individual student activities, uh, both partner and group discussions to help teachers both introduce and initiate um, discussion around the importance of not only recognizing, but also just celebrating intersectional identities of each member of the classroom or the school community. By having those posters as a visual reminder on the wall, um, we hope that there are examples for youth to help better understand their own individuality and oftentimes invisibility of our own and uh, one another's identities. That's a quick overview of these resources, but I um, hope that many of you do check it out. Yes, I know personally, I always loved looking at any of the posters that were in the classrooms of my teachers growing up. So it would definitely be great to see some educators doing the same with these. So I know that Nicole touched on the facilitation aspect of how to use them, but could you share maybe the benefit that these might have on students or even the educators that use them? Hi, this is Troy. I'll jump in. Um, I, I think that what a time for teachers to be able to have a tool like this, right? I, I believe that this time in education right now for educators is so unique. There's a shortage, there's so many pressures, there's constant school closures because of COVID. There's so much um, happening and in the balance for educators right now. And um, I've, I'm so, I have such a heart of gratitude, I should say, for those who are choosing to continue in the work and find balance between their selves as full human beings while also being an educator and right their intersectional identities as educators and i think about this tool being such a great way to engage in a topic that oftentimes is not always invited in classroom spaces and how the benefits of this is that it's there's language that's provided for educators where how often is it that sometimes educators in school spaces have to navigate conflict between students because they're saying such and such is different than me or I don't like them because of X, Y, and Z and being able to have these visual posters along with language and this facilitation guide that literally breaks down the ways in which we can introduce this topic or this, this, this notion of intersectionality that is quite complex and so many adults still don't quite grasp it to its full extent. So I, I think that just at this current time, this very unique state of education for educators, I think that it seamlessly and nicely threads through what a lot of schools are currently emphasizing, which is SEL. Many schools are focusing heavily on how can the CASEL 5 components of SEL competencies fit into their classrooms and their schools. And these posters, fold into that. Um, I don't think that it's a matter of like, it's separate, but I will see it as something that nicely is integrated. I see it as something that when 
um, educators are teaching turn-taking, when educators are engaging in topics around um, celebrating differences for holidays and things of that nature, and being able to pull in the, the dynamic, the varied, the intersectional aspects that are highlighted in this particular resource in a way that can support the flourishing of our students. I mean, I think about students who oftentimes their identities varied identities are oftentimes never elevated in the school spaces. I think about Django Paris and his culturally sustaining pedagogy and how this notion of like centering and grounding in the fullness of who students are. When we think about whole child and we think about children come to school and they sometimes they think of themselves as like, I'm not really a math person. I'm not really a, I can't really read. And they think of school and reading and that's the association and they don't think of themselves beyond that. Or they think of themselves just as an athlete and not and other things. And I just think that this is such a an awesome resource and tool that can help support in remediating when there's the reactive need, need to come in and adjust and address different situations, while also the preventative from even having to deal with students coming in and not really knowing how to connect because they're different or not even recognizing the intersection of their own identities because they only see themselves as the third grader who can't read, or they only see themselves as, I'm really good at basketball. Um, so I think this is such a useful tool for the adults in the space, the educators, to come to expanding their language and their knowledge base, while also I see the kids just being seen, validated, and, and heard in ways that, unfortunately, it's not, not always promoted and focused on in the school space. That is so, so true and just really speaks to the impact that some might not even realize is to be had. Um, and I love how you touched on students may not even realize the intersectionality of their identity. So it's great to have this resource. So I'd love to maybe touch on a little further of what is sometimes not or often not considered when discussing SEL and intersectionality. I'll, I'll hop in here. So this is Chris. Um, well, the first thing is that, you know, emotional variability is actually the norm and not the exception, right? There is no one way to feel and there is no right way to feel. And rather, we need to expect a range of human emotions across our classroom that reflect the rich heterogeneity of our students, of our teaching staff, of our families, um, that bring in their culture and attention to um, all that they've experienced and how they are living in each day and in each lesson and in each experience. And so this often tends to be understated um, and kind of uh, the nuance gets lost in our discovery of and our understanding of social emotional learning. And, you know, SEL has this potential to provide all of our students with the skills they, you know, can need to thrive and learn. And yet there are significant gaps in social emotional outcomes. We know that students, for example, who are racially, linguistically, sexually, and or ability minoritized, they report higher rates of anxiety, feelings of stigmatization, social isolation, depression, um, lower self-esteem. And these same students, they evidence uh, academic disengagement. Uh, Troya was going there in her discussion before, right? They, they include like less motivation for being in school or in school learning, higher rates of like skipping school, dropping out. And we know that students with disabilities, those who grow up in um, economically disadvantaged communities, those who've had experiences of trauma, they can lag behind in those intra and interpersonal skills like social relationships, recognizing and managing your emotions, 
and an awareness of your own strengths and needs and be able to do that self-advocacy that Nicole was bringing up before. And, you know, these are all skills that are explicitly targeted by most SEL programs and interventions. And yet these outcomes fall so short of expectation for the rich diversity of our students. And so it really is an opportunity for us to kind of stand at this unique moment in our collective history here in education and, and make a change. And of course, our posters aren't going to be all the change, right? But they are, they start the conversation. They allow students to see themselves and to learn about themselves, to see themselves represented in the classrooms. They give educators a place to start, especially for our educators who maybe you know, cautious or concerned about stepping into conversations that they haven't been fully prepped or aware to do so um, in ways that can be productive and meaningful and validating for all of our learners. Absolutely. Thank you so much for touching on each of those incredible points. Um, each of you shared the importance of this and the great impact that it could have on students. So again, we really hope that any of you listening, use it, share it, um, and learn from it. Because that is ultimately our goal is to make that incremental change that Chris mentioned in the education system. So again, thank you for participating in this conversation. Uh, and thank you all for joining the group.